What is the key to high performance? If we think back to those Energizer Bunny commercials, you know, the ones that keep going and going and going. Well, on today's episode, what we're going to do is we're going to explore the energy conundrum that we all have in our businesses. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Grow With Tim podcast. I'm Jay Du. And I'm Tim Joyner. And we have a book report of sorts to do. Tim gave me some homework over the course of the last recording and now. And uh, Tim, why don't you talk a little bit about what the book was and why you thought I needed to read this and what we needed to talk about? Yeah, well, it wasn't targeted for you, first of all. I think you do a pretty good job of managing your energy. But the book is called The Power of Full Engagement. It's I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Lair, I think. I think Lair. Lair. Well, I Lair? listened to you it listened just to a it. second ago on Audible so we could say it right. Okay, and uh, Mr. Jim, if you're out there, we think it's Lore. Lore. So, Jim yes. Lore and uh-huh. Tony Schwartz. I'm pretty sure about the Schwartz part. Yeah. So Tony Schwartz, Jim Lore, The Powerful Engagement. In this book, Jeremiah, I, first of all, I'll just say I very rarely read the same book twice. I read a lot, but mm-hmm. I very rarely read a book twice. I've read this book four times. Four times. So yes. I, over the last 10 years or so, including right. just a couple times recently. And I think it has challenged my thinking in more ways than just about any other book, short of maybe the Bible, has uh, a couple other books up, up there with it. But anyway, I just think it's got so much good stuff that is not common wisdom but should be. And I think it's applicable to almost everybody. And so I thought it would be – I think a lot of our listeners will, will really benefit from this book – so that's why I gave it to you, yeah. because I thought you needed it. Well, I did so need know. it, Tim. I did you need it. it. And, of course, like you said, common sense is becoming not so common, I think, in our fast-paced world. And really the reason for that is uh, the load and level of our responsibility seems to change. Yeah. All of us not who just are... change generically, but get bigger, get right? Get bigger. It just grows. Right. Yeah. And um, because of that, I think all of us, as we know that we're getting older each and every day and those responsibilities change and they get bigger and they grow that we need to figure out ways to stay on top of our game yeah yeah and that's really what this was talking about i think yeah it was so i mean i think a central tenet of life at least for our listenership the the people that we run with right our responsibilities our demands the demands placed on us keep getting bigger right and that's kind of hard to imagine i remember thinking in high school, like right. I was running a couple of businesses, and I felt like I had a lot of responsibility. I'm okay. Like, how am I going right. to? Well, I mean, that was child's play, <laughs> literally child's play, right? right? Okay. But but then I got to college, All and right. you probably felt the same way. Like you were involved in. in we we were both very involved yeah. in college programs, um, from literary society things to. Uh, literal programs for yeah. me, you know, on stage and things like that. And of course, the load of schoolwork. Yeah, load of schoolwork. I was involved in intercollegiate debate. And yes. had, there was a bunch right. of stuff going on. And I felt like, man, I've got a lot of demands placed on right. me. How am I going to get all this stuff done? Right? Well, again, now for me, I must say, I'll throw in a caveat here. Part of the reason that I decided after school that I wasn't going to make a resume and get a job is I didn't want any more responsibilities. I, yeah, right. I thought, this is as hard as I can possibly <laughs> oh, work. Poor <laughs> right? And I said, I'm not doing it anymore. So I actually didn't go get a job. I was yeah, like, right. I just need a break. Right, right. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? Well, seven months of being broke-ish yeah. uh, as far as I could go. But and, still, but still yeah. all the responsibility you could handle, probably. It, w- it was, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that, you know, okay, I've I've peaked now in terms of the demands placed upon me. Exactly. Well, then I started businesses, and I then I started hiring employees, and like right. lo and behold, the responsibilities kept getting bigger. And then, you know, I had kids, yes, and right. 
one kid and that's a lot of work and then two kids and then three kids and like the responsibilities keep getting bigger and i have every every bit of confidence that as our businesses continue to expand we've just started a new business recently right i've got other businesses that are in various stages of development some mature some not so mature the the load is going to keep getting bigger Mm -hmm. and i think for most of the people listening unless you're like in retirement or you've got some cushy retirement job your burdens have kept getting bigger, right? Right. I think that's fair to say. I think for 99% of people, that's what it is. I did spend some time in network marketing, and there were those top 1.1 point, you know, 20 percenters of the 20 percenters of the 20 percenters yeah. who claimed that their responsibilities actually went down. But they that also was are never selling me. something, that so wasn't you me. never know whether to believe them, right? Well, they were. <laughs> well, they did have to give a great speech every quarter. Yeah. But yeah, there's yeah. a certain level of passive residual that uh, has eluded me yeah, yeah. still up to this point. Now, here's a question I have for you before we get into it. Um, we have a different set, I believe. Well, I'll qualify it as a different timeline when it came to family responsibilities. Familiar, because I did not get get married until I was 29 yep. and a half or so, something like that. How old were you when you got married and your wife worked in your companies for several years? Yeah. Um, yes? So I, you know, I should know this. I don't actually remember if I was 22 or 23. Um, I think I was, tw- I don't know. I'd have to go back and do that math. Well, it's was, easy for me to remember yeah, because I mean, we had I our first baby at 30. So I just back up one. It's yeah, easy yeah. to remember an yeah, even yeah. number. I was yeah. in my early 20s. How about Early that? 20s. Early okay. 20s, yes. yes. Um, and, and then we had, uh, we adopted our first son when he was seven. Uh, we'd been married for what, uh, eight years at that point, I think. And so, so yeah, I've, I've had growing responsibility. Yes. I'm now my kids in the last eight years, uh, are now eight down and there are four of them and so the family, adding the family after I started the entrepreneurial journey was i was not prepared yeah yeah. i was not prepared i'll just admit that so the book was very powerful for me if you can see us if you're watching us out there this is what it looks like go get it i did it uh so audio so here's the bit here's the point of where we're going with these rising demands right all of us can relate to this but what do we do with it Mm -hmm. well most of us go to the one resource that we're most familiar with right that's most intuitive which is Physical energy, time, 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 time right? Yeah. So when when the demand put, goes up, we just work longer. Put more effort into it. And and we, we all know how to do that, and it's intuitive to us to draw on this resource time. But, but time is not our only resource, right? It's the one that we're most familiar with. The problem is that time is finite, and so eventually you run out of it. And and once it's gone, it's gone. You can't renew time. You can't get it back, right? Once right. the hour is gone, it's gone mm-hmm. no matter how you spend it. So what this book posits, and this is what the whole book is about, is instead of going to time as your your resource of choice, you, you really have to figure out how to manage your energy. Because energy, unlike time, is expandable. You can systematically grow energy, and you can regularly and, and infinitely renew energy, which right. is amazing. Right. And so this book really makes some bold promises that I'm starting to discover are actually true, which is that... As this demand goes up, you can actually not just keep up, but actually even exceed, grow faster your energy. So instead of having to work 18, 20 hour days, you can actually work less, but produce more and enjoy a better quality of life, have time for family and friends and other things and causes that are important to you if you manage your energy. So central tenet of the book is managing energy, not time, is, is the key concept to 
engage fully yep. and produce and have high performance. High yeah. So I think for me, Tim, what, like you said, it's actually pretty intuitive that we know that, but I don't think the average person knows how to practice that right. and how to get that done. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and, and that's what they did I their studies on. Really and podcast. I really think that uh, for a lot of us, it is a good, like you mentioned, four times reading this book in the last decade or so. It's a good thing for us to re look at in our ever-changing and increasing demands of our businesses and lives. So it is something that is always good to check back on and go, well, how am I doing now? Because, you know, we have added a new child in the last six months. We have added a new opportunity. You and I have added a new opportunity. And honestly, over the course of this one year, when it was germinating from you around Christmas time this past year in 21, we have not managed the energy well. Yep. At least the way we thought we could, yep. and yep. it's because it's because we have other demands, not because we couldn't have figured it out. It's like we didn't know where to put the energy, yep. and we didn't do it at the right places at the right time. So, yeah, very very interesting thought uh, process that I went through here. Now, I will say about the book, Tim, as I was mentioning uh, to you just a moment ago, that the practical applications are not in here. Yeah. Now, we're going to give some, but yeah. they're, they're not in here. They do give case studies on real folks yeah. because they have an entire clinic yeah. and a process that they do for high um, earners high and learners yeah. and achievers in the, mostly in the corporate world. But uh, I think there's a lot of things that we have to pull into our own system and really assess on a personal level. I, we're doing it. The book is is long on theory, I would say. Yeah. Which which for somebody like me, I like. I like to understand why these things work and why they're important. And it does a great job of explaining the need for this and really the even the legitimate science behind it, the science, the psychology, the whys behind it. But you're right; it does leave a little bit to be desired. In like, okay, what do I do with this? Yes. But, but I but it gives some hints, and I think it does from give hints. Our experience, yes. I think we can flesh that out. Today. Yeah. So one of the things that it made me think about actually pretty quickly is these two uh, scientists and clinical research and authors. They talked about recognizing a pattern that took them a while to uncover when it came to physical athletics. Yeah. So we all have seen, and it's a part of our Western world, to have high-performance achievers on television doing their thing in their athletic fields. And what they were starting to discover inside the uh, area of professional tennis players was that there was a difference between the best and then amongst the best of the best. So, so they, they were working with really great tennis players. Yes, like already. class. Yes, already but, ranked tennis players. But they players. were really good, and yeah. then they were like the best. The best. And there was a difference. There yeah, and there was a difference, started. but it took them a while to figure out yeah, what it was. They could right. not figure out what it was that helped the best stay on top. Yeah. And hours of practice was not the differentiator. Right. You know, um, the way they held their racket, they, they weren't finding any differentials that between those things that were really noticeable that we're making the best right. and amongst the best the uh the differentiating point what they started to realize was what the best did during breaks yeah, yeah. and that right there i'm giving you i'm throwing it out there early for everybody taking breaks actually had to do with the whole system of being the best yeah how they managed energy so taking breaks is managing energy was really the differentiating factors and uh what they discovered was that the folks who did the best performed the best the highest had very routine 
systematic things that they did every single time to limit the energy they needed to produce outside of their actual performance moment, and second, to get their mind off of what they needed to yeah. do at that time and which, yeah. which you wouldn't that's you not wouldn't intuitive think. no you wouldn't think they they yeah. talk about it as a recovery ritual so I, it's it was interesting to me one of the points they make in this book is how everything about life is actually cyclical mm. your breathing is a rhythm your heart is rhythmic the way your cells work the circadian rhythm by which you decide when to wake up and go to sleep mm. like all of these things are rhythmic and yet we tend to live our lives like a machine linearly Right, we get up, we go to work, we produce, 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 um, and that's not how life works. That's how machines work, but that's not how people work. And so their argument is that everything about life is a rhythm. And just like we know from physical exercise, if you go and work out, you're not supposed to work the same muscle groups every day, right? You work them, and you actually, if you if you exert yourself, you're creating little microscopic tears in your muscle fiber. But then on your recovery day, what happens? They build back up. They build they back replenish. stronger they than they renew. were before. Yes. Right? They come back right. strong. And that's actually where the growth happens, and that's how you get stronger. Well, it's the same way in anything, mental, spiritual, physical, emotional. You have to have this cycle of exertion, stress, we could call it, and recovery. Right. And and that's what they were talking about with these tennis players is between points, they would go through all these silly little rituals that seemed silly but actually were brilliant. Like one of them – tapped both heels with their racket and took a sweatband and wiped the forehead right wiped their forehead and they would um, take some sawdust out of their pocket it was these little rituals that actually were were rhythmically and not not rhythmically but systematically and intentionally lowering their heart rate mm-hmm. like they could hook them up to a heart monitor and the really good tennis player over here that didn't have the ritual their heartbeat stayed elevated this one over here that had this little 10 second ritual actually could lower their heart rate which is incredibly valuable, as it turns out. Right, right. It reminded me of, uh, now, Tim, I don't know if you saw the um, King Richard movie now, over the course of this you year. You know by now that if you ask me about a movie, the answer is probably going to be no. Well, right? I'm here to make sure that all of our pop culture listeners out there <laughs> are, get their, um, they get satisfied by something that it reminded me of. So this year, uh, Will Smith won the Best Actor Oscar for his portrayal of Richard Williams, Serena and Venus's dad. Yep. Right? King Richard was the film. And a great film. I'd highly suggest it. And it reminded me specifically of this scene. When these two guys, uh, Lauren Schwartz, mentioned tennis, I said, wait a minute. There was a scene in that film where Venus, the older sister, is performing in some sort of junior-type tournament, one of her first biggest opportunities. Yep. And maybe she's 14 or 15. Yep. And she is beating the number one ranked tennis player in the first match or something. I think it's match one she took. Okay. So Venus is up. Yep. And it's, I guess, best of three or something. So my knowledge of tennis is not high, everybody. So help me and correct me out there in the comments <laughs> and, and troll me if need be. What... Between happened. tennis and pop culture, we, we've okay, got the right, right, yes. we, yeah, we shouldn't be talking yeah. about these things, but it was a good movie. And this particular scene toward the end of the film, what happened was the other player was more um, advanced on her routines than Venus was. Mm. She'd been in the scenario and situation before. She knew she should be winning, and then she knew how to win, but it wasn't a physical game she started playing. She calls a timeout. And she stops the flow that Venus is going through. Yeah. 
and puts her on ice. Yeah. So anybody who's watched other sports know how this can be effective, especially in basketball. I'm a basketball fan. And if the other team's on a run, you'd never have a player from the team on the run call a timeout. Right. Slow things down. Keep the momentum going. But the other tennis player, the other tennis professional, even at a junior-type age, 14, 15, 16, she stopped, called a timeout, and left the court. Mm went to the bathroom or whatever, and there's nothing you can do about that. Tennis is a game where you don't get to be coached. The coaches sit up in the stands with yeah. everyone else, so you're, you're down there playing with yourself yeah, and against yeah. the other person. Yeah. She ices Venus Williams and yeah. leaves the court. Yeah. And apparently it took about 10 minutes or something. And all you have to do is say that you need a bathroom break. Yeah. So she leaves, and Venus didn't know how to handle that, apparently. Now, I'm watching it. And wouldn't know any any different, yeah. but apparently Venus didn't either. Yeah, yeah. And so whatever happens during the recovery period of that 10 minutes, Venus did not know how to handle that. And the other tennis professional did. And she came back and Good took one. the next set of games. Yeah. And there was nothing Venus could do about it, even though she... And you're thinking, what happened? Because it wasn't a physical challenge that right. she was going through. She needed to recompose herself you know, and all that type of stuff. And, and Venus, apparently, according to the research that you'd see in a book like this, is she kept herself at a level she couldn't sustain. Yep. But the other person recovered. Yeah. And obviously, you know, got a few demons out of her head and got back to yeah. what she knew she could do. Recovery, this, this cycle of exertion and recovery, I think is hugely undervalued. And, and mm -hmm. one, one means of recovery, by the way, is sleep. And most of us don't get it, either enough sleep or good enough quality sleep, right. which is a, another discussion for another day. But I think the cycle that you, you're talking about with Venus and her opponent, um, there's, a, there's a chart in this book, in the copy that I've got at least, it's on page 10, and it's called The Dynamics of Energy, and maybe we can put it up on the, if you're watching on video, maybe we can put it up. But the, basically it's a quadrant, mm -hmm. right? Four, yep. four boxes. And at the top you have high energy, the bottom you have low energy. Got right? it. High, high energy, on top, low energy. Low on the bottom. Okay, over... Um, as I'm thinking about the, our viewers, right? Over here on the left, you have negative energy. Okay. Over here on the right, you have high energy. Okay. I'm sorry, positive. No, high, positive. 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 Yeah, negative to positive, low to high, right? And so if you ask people, hey, think back to a time when you were last really productive. You were really in flow. You were getting things done. It was a great day. What kinds of emotions were you experiencing? What kinds of thoughts were you thinking? What kinds of feelings were you feeling, right? Well, you're going to come up with things like, I was confident, I was connected, I was aligned, I was engaged, I was energetic. You have all these high energy feelings yep. and experiences and positive. And positive. High right. positive, right? Yeah. That's the, pure, that, that's the performance zone. Right. Okay? Which, which, positive, which is easy for us, right? It we all sense. understand this. They see, that's sense. why this is, pieces of this are so. Makes sense. Yeah, they, it just makes simple sense. All right, yeah. but then, okay. then think about the still high energy but negative now i'm i'm fearful i'm anxious i'm defensive i'm stressed out right i'm angry maybe i'm i'm irritable and and most of us oscillate between those two okay out of the four we have quadrants to stay we're just high going back and forth between the these top. two okay so positive to negative but still high energy yeah because like we've got to perform we've got to get that we've got to meet that deadline at work we've, yep. we've got to close this sale we've got to hire this input whatever it is it, uh, things always demand our full attention yeah but our so attention might be positive or negative about yeah it. yeah and and we're stressed out and that leads to burnout and whatever but we oscillate between those two but what this book says is what we actually need to do is is oscillate up and down 
where it's positive, but it's between high and low. Because you can't always live in the performance zone. You just can't stay there. If by default, you're going to fall out. You're either right. going to go negative or you're going to go low. Mm -hmm. If you're not intentional, you're going to go negative. If you are intentional, you're going to go low. This is the recovery period. And it's not like I'm 50-50, right? I'm, I might spend most of my time in the performance zone, but just like those 10-second breaks between points in yep. tennis, I've got to figure out how to be really intentional about getting a fast recovery. So when you're in this low positive state, you're relaxed, you're mellow, you're peaceful, you're tranquil, you're serene, you're experiencing joy, you're, and, and most of us feel guilty about living in that zone, mm. right? So I feel like, man, I'm, I'm in my car on the way home and maybe I could listen to music or I could pray or I could relax and just let my mind wander, but man, I'm too busy for this. I've got to make the most of everything, so I'm going to make that phone call to a prospect or I'm right. going to call a client and coach him through something. I'm going to make use of every minute or I'm at a minimum, I'm going to listen to a podcast or I'm going to listen to an audiobook. And what happens is I never get to that low energy state. And according to these guys, and I'm starting to experience it, I'm really robbing myself of that valuable recovery period. So oscillating between high and low energy on the positive side is much better than staying high energy but oscillating between positive and negative. I think that's a really good point that the book makes. And hopefully you're able to visualize that, ladies and gentlemen. So we want to stay in a positive energy state. And simply put, we want to always feel good. Yeah. If we feel good, we can perform good, we can think clearly, but you can't always be in a high energy performance zone. You've got to take it back for a second. So it's very important to think about, here's my question that I have for you, Tim. Is there a way for us to figure all this out before we get to the place where we were like, well, I was doing very poorly at this, and that's why <laughs> I now figured this out. You know, yeah. Is there any way for a person who's not yet at full capacity, maybe younger than us, maybe yeah. less kids than us, maybe yeah. only one business and not ten of them, yeah. can we figure this out early in life, or do we have to wait until there's some sort of crash? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a great question. I don't know that I can speak from experience, but I do think that being intentional about your periods of exertion and recovery yeah, if you get that right early, I think you'd be way, way ahead. Yeah. And there are all kinds of components to that. But so, so let's try to make this practical. Like, what, what have you discovered? So, and I know you just read the book recently, but think back in your experience, what kinds of things have you done to intentionally recover? Yeah. Well, I think this brings us into the four elements that you mentioned a little bit earlier that they talk about, the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual energy zones. Yeah. First off, it's discovering that if you're not working inside, if, if the things that you're doing are not aligned with your what they would call spiritual energy yep. zone, then you're going to be uh, frustrated. Yep anyway because you're not going to feel that your work that your work you're doing is profitable or you should or be meaningful doing. or meaningful or, yeah yeah is worth anything right? so number one i think many folks out there who would listen to us are doing things that they feel they want to be doing because it's who they are it's a part of their value system right i guess you could say so let's assume that yep. but i think there's been many many times where all of us have been in business associations partnerships or we took on or said yes to an opportunity that was not aligned with our values yeah and maybe it wasn't even our fault we just didn't realize it wouldn't be yeah and because of that drains injury immediately goes to negative and you're at that zone of frustration and anger and yeah. things like that so number one is just staying inside your value zone so for me that's a big thing and how i figure out what my values are 
what my practical test is, as you mentioned, is come home every day. And when there is a new opportunity, tell it to my wife. She will remind me, nope, that ain't you. So that's one of them. Yeah. Listen to your wife. Yeah, right. So she's got that intuition like that, nope, that, that one's going to kill you. Um, so, so let's back up for a minute and yeah. give those four categories so we yes. keep everybody organized, right? Okay. So physical energy, yep. the, the four sources of energy right yes. for us. Physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Yes. So the these guys say that physical is the most fundamental source of energy. You've got to get that right. If you don't have good diet and exercise and sleep, you, that that is the fundamental source of energy that makes everything else possible. But your spiritual energy is the most powerful source of energy. It's the most significant. So you really, those are kind of the bookends that keep everything else in okay. check. So yep. we got to make sure that we've got good physical energy as a as a foundation. The the most powerful source of energy is spiritual, and it, certainly for I, I think we could all agree on this, regardless of your faith practice. Spiritual energy is the idea of connecting to a purpose greater than ourselves. It yes. can't just be about making money right. or getting rich and famous, right? right. That's going to be empty for right. sure. And that's what you're talking about with making sure that what you're doing is in align with our values. I don't think you mean like when you say in align with our values, some people are like, well, what's he doing? Is he doing like unethical things that are not? In no, it's not. It's just that there are some things that are serving a purpose greater than ourselves. And there are other things that are like, oh, this could make me a lot of money. Right. And just serving a purpose. Yeah. But it's not greater than ourselves. So, or it's, and, and of course, yeah, like um, Tim is saying, it's it's not an ethical or unethical type of value system that I'm trying to go back and forth between here because there is alignment on someone else's value that's yeah. greater than right. themselves. Right. But it's just but not, it's not mine. Yeah. It's just yeah. not mine. So for me, when I, when I think of, of spiritual energy, if I can mm -hmm. call it that way, and doing things, I want to do things that matter for eternity, right? Not go. just for time. I want to do things right. that are going to advance the kingdom of God. Um, but at a, at a minimum, I want it to be something that is not just a temporal, oh, this is going to make me rich or famous or achieve this actually meaningless goal. And, and you said earlier, let's just take it for granted, I don't know that we should take that for granted because I think a lot of us are on a treadmill and we're like chasing other people's dreams sure. or we're doing what is expected of us or somehow we've been handed this vision of what the American dream means for us or whatever. And it maybe is not aligned with actually who you really are or who we really want to be. So I do think that it's worth some reflection. It is. Is, is yeah. what I'm doing right now actually in align with the purpose for which I was made. Right. I, and I think because we're all given talents and we all have specified some of those talents through practice into actual skills, it's we can go back to those points with reflection and some time. So that moves me from the wife test to the mom test. Okay. See, mom okay. it has a great value system, but her skills and her talents don't align with mine in the same way. So mom is always going to be an encourager and say, yeah, that's a great thing that you're up to. But mom isn't going to participate. Mm -hmm. See, they're good things, yeah. but mom's like, yeah. well, I'm not going to do it, though. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. That's for you to go do. Uh -huh. And so I have a problem oscillating sometimes between being caught up into other people's vision and wanting to help. And those things can take away from my physical and spiritual, yeah. like you said, spir uh, the bookends, spiritual yeah. and, and the physical, physical energy. Because yeah. I'm running out of 
time yeah. and the physical energy I need to put in that. I'm like, well, these are good things. So yeah. I think I should be involved with them. And that's what I mean by spiritual and good forces and, and values. But they're just not my things. Yeah. They're just not my things. So let's talk about the physical for a little bit. Let, right. Let's go ahead and t- take your assumption. Okay. Here uh, we go. Take it for granted. How can we recover physically? So the book in one of the appendices actually has this great list. So I'm just going to read it to you. I know you're not supposed to read on air, but oh well, we're, we're going to do it. We can do it. So Paraphrase. most important physical energy management strategies. They've got 10 of them. And as I read, I told you I've read this book four times. Mm-hmm. Apparently I'm a slow learner because as I read this, even this morning, th- this particular page. No, no, no. See, we change and grow. And so you're not the same person that <laughs> That's read it previously. That's true. There you go. But yeah. I, I read this just this morning, this page in preparation for recording this podcast. And I realized that of these 10 most important strategies that they list, I'm basically failing at nine of them. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Number one, go to bed early and wake up early. We all know this. I mean, we all know it. We do know this. Now, I know that some people, and I'm sure I'm in this group, I, I am naturally more of a night owl, and I'm I get not. more done at See, night. I'm not. That one's easy for me. This is not easy for me, but I... Because I, I fall asleep without even trying. Like, I wake up at my desk at 10 p.m. It's like, I've been asleep for an hour and a half <laughs> on accident. All right, so. number two, go to sleep and wake up consistently at the same times. That's we, another miss for me. And But I feel like we all know that, too. I, Maybe we, we do. don't. But we, do, yeah. we, we do know that. I know this. But I'm telling you. No matter I, what, the alarm gets set at the same time, no matter when I went to bed. You go to bed when you're tired, as early as yeah. possible, but when you're tired and wake up at the same time. Yeah, everybody says that you should do that. And somehow I think, yeah, but I'm different. I mean, I don't really consciously think that, but I think, man, I've got to store up sleep on the weekends because I know I'm going to have a couple short nights this week. So maybe I'll sleep in on Saturday morning, which I almost always do. Uh, it, it's uh, it's ba- bad Tim. Bad Tim. <laughs> Stop it. All right, All right. I'm going to fix that. Okay. So seriously, that's one of All right. one of so several. Oh, for two on physical. Yeah, one of. Well, it's it's going to get worse from here. Eat. This is interesting. Eat five to six small meals daily. So the idea is that you want a a consistent source of energy throughout the day. I definitely don't do that. So for my friends who are uh, in the fitness industry, several yeah. friends and family members yeah. who are bodybuilders and things yeah. like that. Food is fuel. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so if you, which I hate, yeah. but if food, food is, is fuel. fuel, then yeah. you're only doing it to get, let your body perform on a certain level, not because it tasted. Yeah. Good. Right. Yeah. All right. Number four, eat breakfast every day. Yeah. That's another miss for me. Like if I have a breakfast meeting and granted, a lot of times I have a breakfast meeting, then I'll eat breakfast. If I don't have a breakfast meeting, man, I got also, what are you eating for breakfast? breakfast? Because I have, I'm a stickler about some of those things. Oh yeah. Tell me about your, bre- well, your breakfast. Well, so I think, you know, that for me, it's typically going to be a fruit and vegetable smoothie mm-hmm. in the morning. And so there's yeah. other book reviews we'll have to do on future yeah. podcasts about some of those theories and science behind those types of things. But it's not normally not a hearty breakfast you want either. Yeah. It's normally something that Gives you the energy, lets you break the fast, but it's not hearty, so your body and blood has to slow down to process all yeah. the food. That's another reason why you'd have small meals. Yep, right. All of that is, all of this is areas for improvement for me. I've, I've got good genes, apparently. I'm in pretty good sure. shape. Yeah, yeah. I'm in my ideal target range for yeah, weight, right. like a lot of good things, but that's not, frankly, because I've been super disciplined in these areas. I just, you know, kind of won the gene lottery, mm-hmm. I guess. So, all right. Eat breakfast every day, not doing that consistently. And probably when I do, I often am not eating. The, sometimes I am, but not not always eating the right kind of breakfast. Number five, eat a balanced, healthy diet. 
Yeah, that's so-so. I've gotten better at that, but I'm s- certainly not most people would look at me and say, oh, yeah, he eats really well. Well, according to cereal commercials of the 90s, I'm probably <laughs> fine. 45 vitamins and minerals, whatever that means, right? Your bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios, yeah, right. and there was like a banana and an apple off into the corner. But, yeah, like who knows what that really means? Food pyramid people. All right, six, minimize simple sugars. Yeah, probably not, not very intentional uh, about a- that. Number seven is actually an area where I succeed. Uh, drink 48 to 64 ounces of water daily. So I learned a long time ago that I do a lot better when I drink a lot of water. Mm-hmm. So between meals, at meals, all day long, I start. So my goal is every morning before I have any coffee, I don't have coffee every day, but I do most days, I'll always drink. I've got this big water bottle. I don't actually know how many, 20 ounces or something. And I'll drink a full bottle of water before I uh, do anything else. Okay. So and then throughout like before the day, you leave the house or before uh, you even oftentimes I'll put it in I'll grab it on my way out the door and I'll get gotcha. it on the way to work. Okay, very good. Yeah. So and then throughout the day I'm drinking water and I almost never order soda or iced tea or whatever. I'll usually drink water. So and I definitely I definitely get my sixty four ounces of very water good. almost every very day. Good. So that's we'll one, one one if I if I had a sound effect for yeah, a, right? a clap, uh, there's one of them the over here. I'm I don't know how to do it. remember which button it is. Yes. All right. Um eight, take breaks every ninety minutes during work. That one I've started to do. I'm not consistent at it. Actually, I got this fancy little aura ring that um, tells me periodically, time to stretch your your legs. Like if it knows that I'm sedentary, mm-hmm. it says, hey, get up and walk around. So I'm getting better at that one. Now, the, along the lines with 90-minute yeah. uh, flow and then breaks, do you feel that you're able to consistently get 90 minutes of kind of uninterrupted good work in? I'm getting a lot better at that. Okay, see, I'm yeah. that, and I'd be failing there yeah. before the break part is I'm, I've got to work 90 minutes consistently so we could do another podcast sometime on flow and deep work cal newport's work on that is really valuable but um i switching so i think it was these guys i don't remember this might be a different book but the average uh corporate employee in america the white collar worker uh, performs tasks 11 minutes at a time basically the average length that they stay on task doing one thing is 11 minutes 11 minutes which seems bad enough like man you can't get anything done in 11 minutes but but get this they're interrupted, I think, every two and a half minutes. Wow. So even though I theoretically am doing the same thing for 11 minutes, my focus gets stolen every two and a half minutes. Well, shoot, you can't, you can't get into any kind of deep work or even shallow work in two and a half minutes. That's terrible. Right. So you've got to figure out ways to minimize distractions. So I use do not disturb and focus modes on my phone a lot. I'll set it so, I like of course, that. right now we're in a, in a podcast. Right. But my phone is set to do not disturb for the next hour. So it's not going to buzz or beep, and I would do the same thing even if I weren't recording. If I were sitting down to work on something important, I'm going to look. There are very few things that can't wait an hour. We feel like we've got to respond to every text and every email and every Slack message and every notification that comes in. There are very, very, very few things that can't wait an hour. Like if the building is on fire, I'm going to hear the fire alarm and leave. And if you know. My, my home is on fire. My wife can call somebody else at the office and get sure, my attention. There's sure. a way that somebody's going to get through to me, but deep work is important. So anyway, the the whole point here is, yes, staying focused for those 90 minutes, but then take a break. Don't try to stay focused longer than 90 minutes because it's just not going to work, mm-hmm. right? Okay. okay. Take breaks every 90 minutes. Number nine, get some physical activity daily. I feel like you're pretty good at this. Yes? Uh, no? No. No, no, nah. I play racquetball, but yes. not every day. Okay. And other than that, I mean, I'll do simple things like I'll take the stairs instead of the elevator. I will park 
at the outside of the parking lot instead of right up by the door so mm-hmm. that I run or walk into a store. He does not do that in this building, ladies and That's gentlemen. That's true. I so, do at this building. Yes. Well, the parking so, lot's kind of small. Well, I was going to give it to you, and then you said, no, I'm not going to. I don't actually exercise every day. And I'm like, he doesn't park far away at this yeah, building. Yeah, right. No, that's yes. true. That's because I'm always coming in with 60 seconds before the light goes on, right? Okay. Something like that. So anyway, um, get some physical activity daily. I'm I'm better at that than some, but I'm not I'm not working out every day. Gotcha. So that's another area i got to mm-hmm. fix. And then do it two, do at least two cardiovascular interval workouts and two strength training workouts during a week. Absolutely not. I don't do that two of each kind every week. There's no way. So I got a lot of stuff to work on here. But that brings me to another point that they talk about in this book, which is wh- what if I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to fix five of these things. That's my New Year's resolution. This, this podcast, we're recording it in late December, but it's going to come out in January. Um, a lot of people are doing New Year's resolutions. What if right. I said... I'm going to do these five things starting January one. And you got some caution flags about that, big time. Okay, big time. Right here, you can tell. Well, you can tell me what's going to happen if I say I'm going to. I'm going to work out four times a well, week. We all know. Gym. We all know. What's going to happen? The only thing that's full in January is the gym, right? Yeah. And then in May, June, July, we've lost all those great people. Yeah, what I happened don't even to think them? They last till June, yeah. May, June, July most of the time. So the problem is that willpower and discipline are in much smaller quantities than most of us assume we can I run mean, out of the very finite you might say you're a really self dis and i think i am i think i'm a really self-disciplined person i've got a lot more willpower than most people but it's still in shorter supply than i would like to admit and if i say i'm going to do these three things and all of them require willpower it's just not going to happen it's just not so there are two strategies that i i think these are there's a ton of good stuff in here, a mm-hmm. lot of good takeaways. I think these two takeaways are valuable for anybody listening today. So how do you how do you build good habits? Well, number one, you've got to be really specific, right? So they, they talk about these studies. Uh, these are I love studies. I love like being able to prove a theory. So they talked about a couple of studies where, for example, they went on a college campus and they they took a hundred people or whatever the number was, and they said hey, did you know that working out regularly can significantly reduce your risk of cardiovascular problems? And they ticked off all these health benefits and basically educated them on why working out was important. Mm-hmm. And, and um, regular participation at the gym in this group went up from 29% to 39%. So education had to you know, yeah. move the needle 10%. Cool. Of course. Okay. Um, but then they, uh, they took another group. They gave them the same message, but they said... So what would be a good time and place for you to work out? And among the group that actually identified, well, I could work out at 6 a.m. on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It went, I think, I, sh- I could look it up. I think it went to 91%. Wow. So yeah. way more. And, and they've got a whole bunch of studies like that. They ask another group to write a report on how they would spend Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And they said it's due Friday. at fi- You've got until Friday at 5 p.m. Um, I believe, if I remember right, 33%, I'm pretty sure it was a third of the people actually brought the report by Friday and said, here's how I'm going to spend Christmas Eve. Uh, this is not a passing grade, folks. 33% right. not so good. Right. But they ask a different group, same question, write this report on Christmas Eve. It's due Friday by 5. And just right here in this form, where, when and where are you going to write this report? Well, I'm going to go to the library or I'm going to go to my office or I'm going to go to my den, whatever, and I'm going to do it. Um, you know, Thursday at 2 p.m. That group, 75% of them turned it in. Look at that. 
So being specific, so I have, this is a big takeaway for me and I've mm-hmm. experienced this over the past right. few years. If I tell somebody I'm going to do something, but I don't commit to a time and place, it's probably not going to get done. I have every intention. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, let's say that we're talking about another book that we're going to do on here. And I say, yeah, I'm going to have that book read by next week. If I don't actually put it on my calendar and say, this is when and where I'm going to read it. I hate to say it, but chances are not all that great right. that I'm going to read it. Right. So I've actually started you several years ago, started using my calendar like a to-do list. And I actually, I use a little tilde, a little squiggly line to say, this is not, it's not like a meeting with this book and it can be moved. But my plan is next Thursday at 10 AM, I'm going to read five chapters of this book. And next Thursday at 10 AM, chances are pretty good that I'm going to pick up this book and read five chapters or whatever I said I was going to do. But if I don't do that, it's not going to happen. So be specific about the time and place. So if I say, I want to commit to these better health goals, better health practices, which I do. Number one, I've got to plan it specifically and actually put it on my calendar. But number two is I can't do all of them at once because I don't have enough willpower. Right. Nobody does. So but what if we I use them do, as stepping stones, we can grow into yeah. them over time. So I need to step it out and plan it. All right. In, for example, if I haven't been working out at all, and I have, so I'm not going to start here. But for example, if you've spent the last six months without any physical activity, and then you say, I'm going to work out five days a week. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're not going to do it. You're going right. to last for two weeks. So what you need to do is say, I'm going to, I'm going to walk 15 minutes a day, three days a week. And I'm going to be, spe- I'm going to do it at 7 a.m. in this neighborhood or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But, but then you say, after 21 days of this, I'm going to go up to five days a week. And then after 21 days of that, I'm going to add in a gym the other two days or well, whatever. You step into it, you're actually very likely to succeed as long as you can actually you make achievable goals that are stretching right. you, but not too much and not too many things. you. But if you say, yeah, I'm going to eat better and I'm going to drink more water and I'm going to have regular cardiovascular exercise and I'm going to get better sleep and I'm going to eat three meals a day, it's just not going to happen. Right. For me, what I'm taking away from this one specifically and the physical is make a commitment to do something today. That's it. So I have a tendency to do that pretty well, make a commitment for today and not worry about the long term. Look, I need to do all of these. It's what can I do tomorrow? And that's kind of what you're saying. Get specific about what you can start on. And if you do that, then you can grow into whatever it else will come. And when we when we become the person who can be consistent to ourselves, have that integrity, then it's easier for us to commit and feel good about committing to the next step. Because if we have a series of failures over and over and over, we've all met those folks, and we've all been those folks from time to time. When we consider uh, consistently see ourselves fail, that that does something to our psyche that just blows all this away. It reinforces this stupid idea that, well, you know, I knew we're not good enough. We can't do that. Or that's not what I should be focusing on. And we throw them out because you're not going to be able to um, become the person you need to become and you want to become if you leave out one of these areas as well, right? Yep. If you leave out your physical energy, yep. you're not giving it the time and the space that it needs for full engagement. You're not going to be able to pull off all the other ones yep. because eventually your health won't be there and you won't have the physical energy to do so. Yeah, you got it. All you right, so it. I want to hear a little bit more about this mental and this emotional area as well. So in the mental area of focus i think we can kind of go back to this athletics uh, model is learning to take breaks 
is really what this one's about. Physical, we actually normally, our corporate athlete out there, not our physical yep. fitness athlete, is um, is going hard at work. Right. But we're not actually mentally disengaging on purpose for renewal. Right. So what right. would you say to that? And I, most of my life has been that way, even in my quote-unquote breaks. Like, oh, I'm going to take a walking meeting instead of sitting in a conference room. I'm going to grab whoever it is that I'm supposed to be meeting with and like, hey, you know, let's, let's – uh, for a long time, I had an office right on this great trail. It's a 13-mile trail that's yep. in our area, and mm-hmm. I think 13 miles, whatever the Swamp Rabbit is. It's getting bigger and bigger Something all the time, like that. too. And, yeah. and we would go walk on it, or now I'm, I've got an office that's real close to a nice little park that has a walking trail, and so we'll go and have our meeting there. But, but that's not a mental break, because I'm still working really hard as I'm walking. It's better than sitting in a conference room, but I haven't taken a mental break. Or, you know, I'll go and have a coffee meeting, or I, I told you earlier, I'm driving home, and I'm on the phone. I've... I used to take very, very few mental breaks. Still don't take enough. But a mental break would be like, hey, um, get up and walk down a couple flights of stairs and listen to a song that you really love. And the song might only be two and a half minutes long. And then you come back and get right back to work. But that mental break where you're not actually thinking about work mm-hmm. is really valuable. It really is. I think there are a lot of th- ways that you can even implement this type of idea in your culture with your team. Yesterday, specifically, and earlier this week in our office, there was a new game we introduced to ourselves, (laughs) and uh, we played it for, uh, we must have played it for about um, 45 minutes, longer than we needed to yesterday, but there were four of us in the office who decided to take a mental break from work, was not physical, right? We were still here, we still actually had to use our computers, and it was a game where we're trying to find stuff via Wikipedia. And we played it against each other to see who could do it the fastest. But the morale went up. We yeah. talked and laughed for a few minutes. And it was a mental shift that all of us were able to take a break and renew some energy for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah. 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 I think it's important to be intentional about the kind of breaks that we take. Because some yeah. of us take breaks only out of desperation. Like we're burnt out. We are like, I cannot work any longer. And so then we like escape we try to distract ourselves mm. with maybe it's a a game on our phone. Right. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, you know, for weirdos like me, it's like, oh, I'm going to go see how my stocks are doing and do a little day trading or whatever. But you got to make sure that it's actually a break that is rejuvenating you. Yes. And maybe those things are. And I think what you did was. But the, yeah, but, but it, it wouldn't but always I, be because we were still at our desks. We were still on the computer. Yeah. I, so I completely yeah. agree. You, my point is that you've got to be intentional. Yeah. Just because it's a break doesn't necessarily mean it's rejuvenation. Yes. So think about, am I and like binge watching Netflix at the end of the day because you're too tired to do anything else? Um, maybe that's a break and maybe not. Maybe that's just a distraction, but you're actually not feeling rejuvenated at the mm-hmm. end. It would be much better to go take a walk in nature and just let your mind wander. So that actually brings us and ties us in pretty well to the emotional category because they quantified that one as the quality yeah. of the break. Yeah, right? I think it's interesting how they do that. They say that, yeah. that physical energy is the quantity, quantity. Of, mm-hmm. of energy that you have available emotional energy is the quality yeah. right it's it's focused on quality help me out and then the, mental is the focus mental is focus so the focus of your energy I, I think that's a really big idea and then spiritual is is the force the force, the force of behind energy. it yeah, yeah the force so of that means so powerful and th- that's yeah. why they all work together yeah. right because i think it was easy for us to tie into that mental break 
but realizing that the emotional, the quality of that mental break also needed to be there as well. Yeah. And you mentioned, for instance, the difference between having that break that we took in the office on the computer yeah. wasn't physical and probably wasn't yeah. disengaging enough, right? So and maybe it was. Could, and of course, know, but, but we wouldn't do it regularly right. as like, this is what we do every single day. Right. And we go harder at the computer trying to race right. ourselves around Wikipedia. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know what that game was, <laughs> I don't know, is this your own invention? No, uh, no, I'd heard of it before, but yeah. my brother recently played it, and so uh, he works in the office as well. So I don't remember what it's called. I think it does have a name. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a universal thing, because we can all get to Wikipedia. So we played it for less than 10 minutes the other day when I was here, at the beginning of an executive board meeting, right? And um, the, the game worked like this. It You... You ask two people for two random topics. So I think I said economics, and okay. Will said Mr. Rogers. It's hard to get more different than that. We didn't know what the, at least I didn't know what the game was when right. I picked that, right? So we had economics and Mr. Rogers. So then everybody at this table started on Wikipedia looking at the article about economics. And the idea was without using your keyboard and without using the back button, we had to get from the Wikipedia page on economics to the Wikipedia page on Mr. Rogers. So we're only clicking hyperlinks. Hyperlinks just inside blue Wikipedia. Links. So All we're doing is clicking all of us. Yeah. Get, get there. Until you and, land uh, on the Mr. Rogers page. And, and I think Jonah, Jonah got there in uh, like six or seven uh, minutes. My brother killed us on Mike. He, he killed us on every category except one yesterday <laughs> as well. So. Anyway, that's the game. That's the game. All right. So, so uh, okay. So, um, the question that I have as we get into the application of this once again, and we've been applying this throughout the entire podcast, so hopefully you've taken a lot of things home, is the question that I've asked myself is what can you do to rapidly and effectively keep performing at the top? Because that's really the goal. The goal isn't the break. The goal is full engagement on what you are doing and to be able to perform at your highest levels. And really, it's being intentional about when and how you slow down. Yeah, That's actually what you can do. And so you've got to be at your physical and spiritual and emotional and um, mental best so often, and that is part of who you are and what you're trying to do in a high-performance zone, you've got to learn how to turn it off yeah. is really what it's all about. So this is not only the 90-second music break or walking up two flights of stairs or whatever, but it's also like taking a vacation. Yeah, oh yeah. How many of us take vacations in our vacations because we're glued to our phone or a laptop you, know, you see these guys sitting on the beach with their laptop i'm like dude you just just stay home what's the point i don't know like, and see i have i don't know because that for me was like uh, i feel like maybe i could do it that way you know well if i at least get outside and yeah, go somewhere or whatever i mean there's still uh, how are we going to get how are we going to get our ubers and get to dinner if we don't have our phones still yeah. i don't know so that's just me but so strategic coach an organization i talk about a lot has a has a whole system for this they call it the entrepreneurial time system basically you got three types of days but one of the one of the days is a free day and they define a free day as a day completely devoid of work you're not checking your email you're not checking your voicemail you're not calling the office to check in uh, you're not reading business books you're not thinking about the business you are completely 24-hour period from midnight to midnight you are you are off and for most entrepreneurs and people listening to this show are like, yeah, that's crazy. Right? <laughs> right, right. But there's a whole community, thousands of entrepreneurs that are part of Strategic Coach that have actually learned how to do this and they wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm telling you, it's a powerful concept. And it's the same idea. It's like you've got 
you, you've got to rejuvenate so that you can come back and be more productive, more creative. You can solve problems better, faster, cheaper. You can get more yeah. stuff done in less time. We all believe in the rest day when it comes to getting the gym. Yeah. So I why guess not otherwise. Why not? Otherwise? So taking actual breaks, both short and long breaks, is part of it. And and anybody that says, "Oh, I'm too busy. I've got too much work to do. I, I don't have time for a vacation." Eh, that's wrong. It's actually if you're so busy that you don't have time for a vacation, that means absolutely you need to take a vacation post haste because you're going to come back and get twice the amount of work done. Right. You're structured in a poor uh, poor way. Or, or, of course, it can be a limited time period where you know, hey, I have to go and be in flow, right? Yeah. A word that we've brought up a little bit longer, but you've got to know that that doesn't last forever and it shouldn't last forever and you're looking forward to a time where you can recover and reassess yeah. what's going on. J.D., we've got a bunch more we could talk about, but we're coming up in an hour, which yeah. I don't think we've ever gone over an hour on one of these shows, so we should probably wrap it up. The Power of Full Engagement, Jim Lair, Tony Schwartz. Um, it, I recommend it to you. You can get it on Audible. You can get it on Amazon, paperback, hardback, however you like to consume information. But the key idea here is managing energy is more important than managing time. Both are important, but managing energy is is the key to unlocking full engagement, high performance, and it's it's just really powerful stuff. So big takeaways are you've got to have periods of exertion and recovery in all four areas, emotional, spiritual, physical, and mental. mental. And, and you've got to be intentional and systematic about it. You've got to plan for it. So they talk a lot. We didn't really get into rituals, but they talk about how important it is to have a ritual, like a per- particular time and place and habit. Rituals are powerful because you don't have to expend energy to do them. Right? If I'm creating a new habit to go to the gym, it takes a lot of energy. But if I just go to the gym every morning and it's part, it's just my habit, it's, it's actually, I'm pulled there instead of me having to push myself. There we there, go. Right? I like that. So rituals are really valuable. But you've got you've to be intentional about creating those rituals of recovery and exertion. And if you do that, you get into this beautiful rhythm. rhythm, rhythm. Um, you get into this beautiful rhythm that mirrors how life is supposed to work for us instead of being this machine that just performs and performs until you drop dead, right? So powerful engagement, powerful stuff. Any closing uh, words for our listening audience? Well, ladies and gentlemen, in the new year, we hope that you have a full engaged year where you're able to perform at a high level and function at your best, and you've got to learn how to disengage to do that well. So absolutely, we wish you the best, and we hope you stay here with us as we review more ideas and topics to help those high-performing entrepreneurs get to exactly where they're going with the least amount of bumps on the road. Thank you for joining us here at Grow With Tim. Check us out online in lots of different places, and uh, comment. Let us know what we can help you out with on your entrepreneurial journey next. Thanks for listening to today's Grow With Tim podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to show us some love by following us here and on our other social media platforms. You'll find all the links at growwithtim.com.